Psalm 84. Um, and it's a pilgrim's psalm. Um, and we often think of pilgrimage, don't we, as a journey people take. You know, they go to Jerusalem or they go to somewhere else to you know, really deep, spend time out to try and deepen their faith and their, their relationship with God. Um, but pilgrimage also, I think, is very applicable, uh, to use that term, when we just think about our daily Christian life. We are actually all pilgrims, all right, even if we frankly haven't travelled far afield. How many people here have been on an actual pilgrimage? It's not a very Baptist thing to do, is it? I mean, some, some different traditions is quite an important part. Does anybody here been to the Holy Land? I haven't either, no. So, yeah? Okay. Oh, right, okay. Pilgrim's Way, yeah. Okay, well, that's a good place to go on a pilgrimage. <laughs> Lovely, okay. But to, well, as, I, as I talked this morning about this Psalm 84, uh, you know, it is coming from this angle of it's not just about being able to go on a long journey. Yeah, because we're already on a journey. As people of faith, we are journeying. And we, we have to be very mindful of, as people of faith, is that we don't get too settled on the way. We don't become sedentary and comfortable and forget that we're actually on a journey. Um, the Bible teaches us that we're all pilgrims. In Christ, we are no longer residents, as it were, of this world, but actually we become aliens, we become strangers to it in some way. We are a displaced people. So another word we could think about our, our, our Christian life is as a refugees. Obviously, there's a big issue in our land and across the globe. But in that what sense we are, we are a displaced people. We don't belong here anymore. And I'm just going to read from Hebrews just to back that up from the scriptures. Hebrews 11, uh, where the writer is talking about men and women of faith down through the ages. And um, he, he writes, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People that were looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had, have had the opportunity to return, as we can be tempted to as well. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, and therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a place for them. So we are all pilgrims, and our daily walk of faith in that sense is <clears throat> part of our pilgrimage, which is why I think Psalm 84, which actually talks about a Jewish man going to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage, is still very pertinent and relevant to us today. As residents of a very wealthy culture, Western European culture, we need to realise how easy it is for us as people of faith to become a little bit too comfortable and settled and forget the pilgrim's road or the pilgrim's way, thank you Jenny, on which we've been called out on, in Christ, following Jesus. And I, I personally quite like the image of a church as a group of pilgrims. I'm not into hierarchical church. Hierarchical churches have their, their strengths, in a way, so don't misunderstand me. But I think a gathering of pilgrims is what you know, this is all about. 
And we're not lording it over one another. We're not better or worse than one. You know, we are together on a journey. And we're watching out for one another on a journey. Because things happen on journeys. They aren't always safe, comfortable things taken in your, in your good car, or not so good car, or whatever you've got. You know, they are, but we watch out for one another. We watch out for our brothers and sisters. And again, you've got that image of pilgrimage. And I say it reminds us not to think of the church as you know, this sort of stuff, buildings, and not to think of a church as hierarchy, but to think of the church as brothers and sisters in Christ's fellow pilgrims on a journey, each of us at times able to help others and to receive help from others as well. So, okay. Oh, right. Well, can you just forward it? Can you, only about three or four. Yeah, yeah just click on. <laughs> Lovely. So I'm hoping that we're going to look at this psalm and just reflect a little bit on it and hopefully look up and be reminded that we are on a journey and we need to be mindful of that as we walk day by day. There's 12 verses in the psalm that Johnny read to us and they're nicely little gathered actually into three groups of four. And the, the last, the first two groups are all ended with that funny little term you'll see in your Bible sometimes, salah. And... Um, some people just ignore that altogether. But a youthful way of looking at a salah, and knows, none of the scholars really know for sure what it is, but it's a reasonably helpful way of thinking about it, is it's telling you to stop for a minute and pause. So rather than just bum, 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 through 12 verses, it's saying read four, pause. Right? And then read four, pause. So for just a time to reflect. That's probably the best way of thinking about of that little term salah, if you've ever sort of thought about it. I said no one knows for sure uh, what it actually means, but I think that's a pretty good. I think it's <clears throat> reminding us that we need to, as with food, we need to eat and not just swallow it, you know, gulp it down, but we chew, chew it, we enjoy it, you know, we take, we take time with our food, and we need to take time with God's word in the same way. The other thing I'd like to point out to you, apart from that structure, is there are three blessings or three beatitudes in here. Pilgrim blessings. All right, and I'm just going to read them very briefly to you. In verse 4, you'll see, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Verse 5, actually, uh, in the next group, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their heart on pilgrimage. And the last one is actually the last verse altogether of the psalm. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. So these blessings are part of God's promise in this psalm of pilgrimage. So I'm going to look at this in the three, the three sections, and I, I broadly titled them, Thirsting for God, Strengthened by God, and Delighting in God. So if you can follow me through like that. So we can have one more here. So there's none until the end now, virtually, so it's very easy. I'm just going to reread a couple of verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near to your altar, O Lord God Almighty. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And that lovely first sentence, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. You can't see it. Uh, but if you were looking at the text, you see there's a shout mark. There's an exclamation. It's, a, it's not just 
How lovely. Is it nice to be here today? But if a shout, it is an exclamation. It is a sense of real um, you know, emotion, passion. How lovely it is to be at church, in Milford Baptist Church today. Yeah, men. But it's worth noting that. It isn't just a little throwaway comment. It's a shout. Now, the, the, the psalmist is speaking of the physical temple in Jerusalem, which was the pilgrim's goal in his day, a place where he could go and meet with God, the God who'd promised to dwell there by his spirit. Now, the, the temple in its heyday was probably you know, quite a grand-looking building, but the building is only significant because of the one, the living God who dwells there. Even the temple in Jerusalem is only stones. But it is God who dwells there that makes that a significant place, a place to visit, a place to hunger for. It's the presence of God. St. Augustine said this, he said, Thou hast made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And that's a sort of pilgrim statement as well. You know, it's like we're, we're seeking God. A true pilgrim is always a God-seeker. Someone who hungers and thirsts after him. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2 read, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? There's a sense of hunger. It's not a passing whim. It's not sort of some religious, legalised duty of someone trying to just do the right things. It's relational. It's a heart-wrenched, as it were. It's a longing. It's a love that can only be satisfied by reaching out towards the object of that love, which is God. For the author of the psalm back then, that meant he went to Jerusalem. But Jesus taught his followers that they would, they would be able to worship God anywhere, anytime. If you remember that story in John's Gospel, chapter 4, of Jesus by the well with the Samaritan woman. Jesus says to her, he says, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. So the importance of the location for the Christian has changed. It's not just Jerusalem. It is wherever we are. But what hasn't changed one bit is this pilgrim attitude, this longing, this desire to love and to worship, seeking God. It's a picture of a woman, a man, who has set, out, set their heart on the Lord who has, as it were, a, 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 a hunger to fulfil. They have an appetite and they cry out for nourishing fellowship with the Lord. The psalmist cried out to God with his whole being, envying even the birds that were able to nest in the temple courts. As well as the priests and the Levites who were able to let, live there, you know, he had to travel there maybe only once, twice, three times a year. And he could say, blessed, blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. 
And the second blessing, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their heart on pilgrimage. Blessed are those who seek God in pilgrimage, who are always reaching out towards him, but not just in their own strength, but relying on God's strength, God's grace, in order to do so. A pilgrim is one who needs to learn to trust in God for the whole journey, relying on his daily provision and guidance. And in doing so, they are blessed and also become a blessing to others on the journey. Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now, you won't find any geographic site uh, called the Valley of Baca. It's nowhere else in the scriptures. But Baca is the Hebrew word for the balsam tree, the sap of which, I believe, understand, at time oozes out, making it look like it's weeping or shedding tears. So the Valley of Baca here in the psalm is a name for any difficult and painful place on the pilgrim's journey where maybe everything seems to be hopeless, pointless, where you feel helpless, where you maybe feel in a pit of despair, wondering what this is really all about. There are times on any pilgrimage, on any pilgrim's journey, where we can all feel like that too. We can feel like we're walking in darkness. Dark times come to us all. But the pilgrim is one who presses on, for they have placed their trust in God's strength, not their own, and they rightly expect to pass through the valley of darkness and not remain there. Dark valleys are part of the pilgrim's journey. They are not the destination. Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. Don't be afraid of the dark in our lives of faith. Trust in Jesus. Now, it's wonderful to receive a blessing, but it's even greater to be a blessing to others. And I think in this psalm as well, we learn from those verses that pilgrims should not just be selfishly, blindly travelling towards their destination. But as they travel, they need to be mindful of one another, but they need to be mindful of the people and the places they travel through in life so that they might be also a potential source of blessing in dry and arid places. They might bring springs, as it were, autumn rains, to refresh the dry lives of others. Verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength, each till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. True pilgrims go from strength to strength, God's strength, trusting in God who enables them to take one day at a time. True pilgrims are people who keep in communion with their Lord, whatever their circumstances they may be. They are prayerful people, a people of prayer. So, as the psalm says, blessed are those whose strength 
is in you. So firstly, the psalm thirsts to God, that sense of hunger and yearning that sends them out on the road. Secondly, we have this sense of provision of God, strengthening of God, provi- you know, that God provides for us on the road, whether it's you know, nice and bright or not bright at all. And But now in the last four verses of this pilgrim psalm, we're reminded of the fact that the pilgrim delights in the Lord. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The psalmist clearly didn't aspire aspire to high office. He was willing to, as it were, sit on the threshold of the temple just to be close to the Lord. He was willing to consider himself the least in the temple, just as long as he could sit in God's presence. To pilgrims, to men and women of faith, the Lord is all they need. He is to them what the sun is to our universe, source of life and light. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Without the sun, life would vanish from the earth. Without God, we have no life, neither physical or spiritually. God gives us both the grace and promises the glory. Grace for the journey and glory for its end. Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 5. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Our walk as pilgrims is only made possible by the grace of God. We walk by faith, but whatever has begun with grace will ultimately lead us to glory. That's how the psalmist ends his psalm, with that, that third blessing. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. So now drawing those threads together now, if you could, Brian, thank you once more. So the author of the psalm is a pilgrim whose heart was hungry enough for God that he was willing to put down his daily tasks in order to travel on an often dangerous, uneven road to the temple in Jerusalem. It meant that much to him, to be in God's presence. And I think the psalm, if you just read it later yourselves, provides us with a very helpful model of pilgrimage that we can reflect, fruitfully reflect upon today. But these are some questions I thought we could ask ourselves, and I'm not going to say, well, what do you think of this one or that one? I just want to seed the thoughts in your mind. And maybe later today, you could pick up Psalm 84, you could just read it in a similar way, break it slowly, and ask yourself some of these questions. How hungry, how thirsty am I for God? Or do I hunger too much after other things first? As I seek to journey with the Lord, how do I lean on him? 
how do I trust in him, rely on him, or do I do what I do quite easily, which is try and do it myself? That's normally my first step. It is for a lot of us. We, you know, it's normally when we fail, then we eventually come around full circle and go, no, Lord, I need you. And also, how do I delight him, Lord? How do I worship God? Do I need to take time aside and personally seek him? Is my heart set on pilgrimage? And what that means and what that entails. Maybe I should set some time aside and look, look again for that pilgrim spirit that should be part of our daily walk. Maybe I've lost it on the way. Maybe many other things have, have put it in the background. So no, I'm raising these just as I say things that you could reflect about in relation to that psalm. And um, I would encourage you to do so. Our, our corporate walk together is important, you know, as pilgrims. But we are individuals as well. And there's times each of us have to go, no, Lord, I, I need to just put some time aside. Whether that's to offer a, a quiet day somewhere or a reflective retreat. Do, do, doing something which is intentionally, you know, knowing I need to get closer to the Lord. And we all need to get closer to the Lord, by the way. All right, and, and trying to, and I know we're busy people and busy lives that sometimes people go, I couldn't, how could I do that? But just be creative. There's many ways you can do that. You don't need lots of money to go off somewhere. You can, you can do this you know, in different ways. Just, you just, just think creatively. But that's what a pilgrim does. Heart is set on Jerusalem in that sense. And uh, so there's a question I'll leave with you. I wonder if it's time, if last slide, Brian, if you too should go on a pilgrimage, whatever that might mean in your own life of faith. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Amen. Yes, please. Yeah. But that's something that I live by, or live, have lived by, because that came up in the same years, you know, you wore it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. No, thank you, Val. No, no, exactly. Yeah. I just know this song, Excuter. Oh, very good. Your Latin is impeccable. <laughs> Anybody want to correct uh, Val's Latin? No. 